Hey everyone, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you could be here with me. I have a just a short post here I wanted to put out. I did do about an hour podcast episode this morning, but for some reason I am having a lot of trouble getting Anchor to process and to put that out. I recorded it all the way up until about 59 minutes and probably 54, 55 seconds. And by the time I pressed stop, it added on another five or six seconds, put it over the one hour limit. And that's probably why they have it locked down. But I wanted to get on here. I do have the computer set up now. Finally have the recording uh, studio, as it were, (laughs) as as uh, very, uh, very cheaply done as possible. It does work. I think it sounds okay, And I'm excited to use this going forward. I'll try and use it a little bit more. But I just wanted to do a real short thing here really quick. You know, we're looking at we're looking at a great bit of division out there right now. And there's a lot of divisiveness going on. A lot of people here are disagreeing vehemently with each other. I want to read to you something that's been going on for years. I said it was going to be five minutes. It might be ten. I apologize. Just depends on how fast I can read this. There's something called the Cloward-Piven strategy. So let me tell you what this is. This is on Wikipedia. You can look it up if you'd like to. The Cloward-Piven strategy is a political strategy outlined in 1966 by American sociologist and political activist Richard Cloward and Francis Fox Piven. It says, Cloward and Piven were both professors in the Columbia University School of Social Work. The strategy was outlined in a May 1966 article in the liberal magazine The Nation titled, Quote, the weight of the poor, a strategy to end poverty, unquote. The two stated that many Americans who were eligible for welfare were not receiving benefits and that a welfare enrollment drive would strain local budgets, precipitating a crisis at the state and local levels that would be a wake-up call for the federal government, particularly for the Democratic Party. There would also be side consequences for this strategy, according to Cloward and Piven, These would include easing the plight of the poor in the short term, though their participation in the or through their participation participation in the welfare system, shoring up support for the National Democratic Party, then splintered by pluralistic interests, though its cultivation of poor and minority constituencies by implementing a natural solution to poverty and relieving local governments of the financially and politically onerous burdens of the public welfare through a national solution to poverty. So essentially, it says the ultimate objective of this strategy was to wipe out poverty by establishing a guaranteed annual income. And it says that it will be questioned by some because the idea of individual social and economic mobility has deep roots Even activists seem reluctant to call for national programs to eliminate poverty by outright redistribution of income. But essentially, it goes on to say that what they would try to do is to essentially burden the government to the point where the whole whole program just fails. That your welfare programs, that your social safety net programs would fail. And essentially, these people could build it back in the way they wanted to. It says further on that Michael Reich and Janice Andrews wrote that Cloward and Piven, quote, proposed to create a crisis in the current welfare system 
by exploiting the gap between welfare law and practice that would ultimately bring about its collapse and replace it with a system of guaranteed income. They hope to accomplish this by uh, this end by informing the poor of their rights to welfare assistance, encouraging them to apply for benefits, and, in effect, overloading an already overburdened bureaucracy. As I end this here, it, it says that the authors pinned their hopes on creating disruption within the Democratic Party. Quote, conservative Republicans are always ready to declaim the evils of public welfare, and they would probably be the first to raise a hue and cry. But deeper and politically more telling conflicts could take place in the Democratic coalition. Whites, both working class ethnic groups and many in the middle class, would be aroused against the ghetto poor. White liberal groups, until... Uh, which until recently have been uh, comforted by the nation or the notion that the poor are few would probably support the movement. Group conflict spelling political crisis for the local party apparatus would thus become acute as welfare rolls mounted and the strains on local budgets became more severe. So essentially what we have is we have people who are not happy with the way things are and because of that what they want to do is overburden the system. Now, that kind of reminds me of people going back, telling people they could get three, uh, free phones through the government, telling people, hey, you can get your housing paid for, you can get your heating, air conditioning, you know, your electric bill, all this could be paid for. And once again, don't get me wrong, this isn't me demonizing anybody. You know, those on the right, conservatives, we do believe that people, you know, need a hand up from time to time. The only problem is, the difference, is I believe that's the work of the church. I don't think it's the government's job to go about doing the work of the church. Now, you could say, well, the church isn't doing that, and that's why we have all these poor people. And I might tend to agree with you on that. But I still don't believe that it's the government's job to be generous with my money. It's my job to be generous with my money, just as it's your job to be generous with yours. So anyway, like I said, check it out. It is... Kind of interesting to hear this Cloward, C-L-O-W-A-R-D, Piven, P-I-V-E-N, strategy. And it's on Wikipedia. You can find it there. I've, I've heard Mark Levin talk about it before, and I had to look it up for myself. I'm not sure if I spoke about it. I do believe I spoke about it in a previous episode, but go ahead and check that out. Also, as soon as this one hour long podcast comes up, this episode comes up, I sure hope you'll stop by and listen to it. I did put a lot of time in there, and I'll tell you what. It does have some um, explicit material in there uh, towards the end. So I would advise if you do like listening to these, make sure that there's nobody around, uh, no children around. And, um, you know, if, if things turn your stomach, you might not want to listen towards the end. But, uh, you know, we're, we're getting into a very, very difficult time in this nation. And we're going to have to decide who is with us and who is against us. We're going to have to decide if we are for the country or if we're for other countries. If we support our president, regardless of who it is, do we support him or are we against him? I've said it before. I wasn't a fan of Obama's policies. I was not a fan of his politics. I didn't agree with the way he did things. That doesn't mean I hated the man personally. And the vehement attacks that I've seen by people on the left talking about this president... When I see so-called comedians holding the dismembered head of a president in effigy, 
that's not right. And that person should have been put in jail, honestly, for... <laughs> to me, I, I'll i tell you what I believe, and it really doesn't matter what I believe, but I, I believe that's about as close to treason as you can get. You're calling for the death of the president, I think, at that point. I don't think you are... I don't think you're an American anymore. You know, if you believe in the Bible at all, and you start reading through the Bible, and you see that those who are in power, those who are in government... God has allowed that to happen. Now, if you don't like who's in president, then get out and vote. But you know what? That is your president. That is my president. We just need to we need to start start figuring things out here. Uh, because I tell you what, I read a quote the other day, and and I'm not saying this to be excited. I'm not saying this because I want to hurt anybody. I don't. But it is true. It said, unfortunately, the time is coming when good people might have to do bad things to bad people. You know, if people are out there and they really want to riot, they want to loot, they want to steal, they want to uh, hurt, to maim, to injure. You see these punks, and that's what they are, they're punks. They'll walk by somebody getting beat up on the street and they'll go over and kick them once or twice, punch them in the face, kick them in the face, and then run away like cowards. You know, you are not going to heal that by getting rid of... Uh, our president. You're not going to fix that by putting Biden in as the president. The only way you're going to fix something like that is at home. Well, guys, thanks for stopping by. Just wanted to do this real quick. I am noticing there's a lot more sound uh, of breathing here, so I'm going to have to figure that out. That's something I'm not used to, but this is a hot mic. It really is picking up. So let me know what you think. Thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you later. See ya.